Hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the medical education podcast from the Children's Emergency Department in Derby. I'm your host today, Ian Lewins, um, and I'm very, very pleased to be joined today um, on this lovely bank holiday Monday um, by Anna Waddington, who's a senior sister working at the Royal London Hospital uh, Paediatric Emergency Department. Good evening, Anna. How are you? Hi, good evening. How are you? Uh, extremely well, thank you. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we, we're going to have a chat today about sort of the, the work that you do and your particular interests. Um, and my understanding is that, that you've got a real interest in, in adolescent care and particularly violence reduction. How did that interest come about? Oh, it's kind of a long journey, but I've always been interested in adolescent care. I feel that it is an area of medicine where we've sort of don't really focus completely we've got very fantastic pediatric care very good adult care but it seems to be that adolescent care sort of gets forgotten or put in either group Um, and from there I just have been working in pediatric A&E at the Royal London Hospital and as I'm sure you know or maybe you don't know but we seem to get a lot of patients a lot of young people um, through the door who have been affected by knife crime in some way or another and um, with those experiences I just felt that I wasn't really winning as a pediatric nurse and I wasn't really fine I I didn't really know how to help them Um, and so that's where the idea sort of sprung up. Okay I mean mean, you know this is something that you know knife crime particularly at the moment is something that is all over the news uh, a lot at the moment I mean in your experience is this something that genuinely has seen an upsurge in the last few years? Um, It's difficult isn't it because I feel that we're sort of in a vacuum in um, we're sort of in a little bit of a echo chamber in the Royal London because we are one of the major trauma centres of London Mm. so we get a lot of the majority of the victims of knife crime. But I do think that there has been an increase, especially in what we call paediatric trauma. Um, and I'm sure you've seen in the news, Martin Griffiths, he's one of our trauma consultants, has said that in his career, he's never seen this many young people. And when I mean young people, I say under the age of 25, coming in with serious injuries of knife um, before. And he's seen a spark in the last two years, particularly under the ages of 18. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, as you say, it's, it's it, it, young people, teenagers, uh, it, you know, they're often a sort of a slightly forgotten area, a grey area, if you like. Uh, and I think, you know, when it comes to things like crime, a lot of people, particularly if they're very sort of interested in younger children and paediatrics, would run a mile from this. What What's so interesting about it or what's sort of driven you to, to get involved so much? I think a good example is... Um, Uh, Maybe I would say about eight months ago, I met this uh, young person. He was 14 years old and he came through the door and had been hit in the head with a hammer. And um, he'd had a really significant skull fracture. We'd put him through CT. He was fine. You know, he was easy to look after. He seemed to be compliant with the care up until the point where security walked past him Mm. and then just instantly he changed personality he became really aggressive really difficult to manage 
and he just started putting his clothes on and I just finished suturing his his little scar on his scalp and he was putting his clothes on I was like oh what what are you doing and he's like I'm going I said but you can't go because we need to wait for your report and for those of you who well who don't really work in trauma one of the the most important things for for you know major head injury is finding out if there's anything intern going on internally obviously um and I was trying to explain this to him and he was a very intelligent boy. You could tell that he knew what he was doing. And he said, no, I've got to go. I've got to go. And then there was nothing. I couldn't do anything to get him to understand that I wanted him to stay because I cared. Um, he, to him, it was, you know, I've just got to go. You don't understand what I've gone through. You don't understand anything and I've got to leave. And him leaving gave me just, I don't, it's really hard to explain, but I just felt like I, next time he would come through the door, he would either be dead or have a serious injury. And six months later, he did. He came in with a serious hemothorax and various other stab wounds. And, you know, from then on, he keeps coming in and out through the door. And I just don't feel like I'm winning or getting through to him. Um, and it was him, the fear of seeing him dying, that made me think, okay, I've got it. You know, I I'm just don't feel like I'm really achieving anything and the attitude that the other healthcare professionals had towards him the aggression the security everyone was very aggressive with him I just thought this is just not the answer you know we need to change the attitude that we have towards these young people we assume that they're these tough guys or um and they want to be in this situation and everyone in well everyone in the department was sort of treating him like an adult you know you know he understands yeah. what he's been through he 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 recognizes why he's doing this and he sort of wants to be in the situation but to me it felt like he was trapped and i didn't know how to get through to him so yeah as you say i think you know that 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 attitude is is not uncommon is it that, no. that you know it's sort of just get this person out of my department because yeah. Yeah that they're scaring the other children and you know but this person is a child still they are they are still under our care yeah definitely and um I think you're right I think there's there is an element like I need to protect my department especially myself as the nurse in charge of the department you're thinking about the other kids and I did say to him you know you have to change your language you can't be rude you can't do this we're here to help you but no matter what I did just did not seem to get through to him that what we were trying to do was help him not get him in trouble and I think that's why I tried to look for different organizations that worked in youth crime to see what where there was where I could basically help my use my skills to help this community, and there doesn't seem to really be much a, much of a connection between the NHS or at least healthcare and youth violence. That they, they seem to not work together. There's no real true partnership, even though they work hand in hand. Um, so yeah. yeah sorry. And I mean, it's 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 one thing to sort of think, okay, I, I've identified a problem that this is something that we are maybe letting these patients down, but it's quite another thing to sort of then try and do something about it. So, so what did you sort of go away and do? So I did a lot of research um, in my own interest. I'd let I know for a fact that we we don't look after adolescents or young people in the right way. We don't we as healthcare professionals, I'm speaking generally here, obviously, I know that there are people who specialize in the area, but I've I've witnessed pediatricians speak to teenagers and you just think, oh God, the language that they're using is just not appropriate. So just with that in mind, I thought there has to be an organization that wants to work with me and try and improve the care that we're providing to these young people. And so I found 
this social enterprise called Catch-22, which essentially works, it's one of the oldest social enterprises in the UK, um, and works with young people in prisons and has this recovery, it's called the Road to Recovery. So it's a program where they establish a connection with the young people in the prison and they help them in all matters, you know, help them sort of establish an exit pathway when they get out into um, society again. And so I asked them how I could help and they said, oh, why don't you just come and chat to to someone in prison, to some of the young people in prison? I said, okay, well, why don't I teach them how to save a life? And um, they said, oh, yeah, that sounds great. And what was that? What, what was that like going into there? Was it sort of must have been fairly intimidating? Yeah, definitely. Um, we, so the first place I went to was Feltham um, Youth Offending Prison. I don't know if you've ever been there, but um, if you speak to anyone who works at the prison system, Feltham is the scariest place that they've worked in. Okay, um, so they use you in gently, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think they was they just thought, oh, you know, she likes you know young people. Let's get her into the youth offending um, site of London, and it's just in the south of London. And um, yeah, it's quite it's just so difficult, isn't it? Because it's not supposed to be seen as a prison. It's supposed to be a place where a preventative place, really, rather than they're going to prison because they're so young. It's under twenty one year olds. They're not supposed to be in the prison system yet they go to this this site and um yeah I was a bit scared because if you look up the news you know you've seen officers have been attacked and um young the young people are quite unmanageable but you know there's quite a big problem with mental health issues and prison systems we know we know statistically that if you're in prison you're more likely to have a mental health issue so that in itself you know made me a little bit worried but nothing was going to happen to me I was completely protected Mm. And why would anyone, why would any of the young people attack me? I'm not going to, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing anything to threaten them. And it was, um, yeah, very positively received the first session. Okay. So, so what did you, I mean, what did you sort of go in with a mannequin under your arm and go, right, I'm going to teach you CPR or? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. (laughs) I I asked a couple of colleagues to see if they'd want to come with me. Um, Most of them thought I was a bit crazy. And they're like, why would you want to do that? But um, I got two other colleagues who came, one of them who's really big on adventure medicines, does a lot of expedition medicine, which isn't really related, but, you know, had a lot of things to bring to the table. And then my other colleague who works with young people in Mexico who are addicted, well, who have problems with addiction. Um, So all three of us went in and we had three different stations. Initially we talked about, why individually we wanted to help this particular group of people um and then we separated ourselves in three stations so the first station was cpr the second station was finding the unconscious person so recovery positions seizures choking anything like that and then the third station was their favorite which is hemorrhage control okay (laughs) um and i think Yes, we're teaching them how to save a life with the idea of them not taking a life in future. Mm. But I think what it did was it opened up a platform for them to speak about what they had seen without any judgment. And how long did you sort of run this initial session for? Is it sort of a couple of hours or? Yeah, so the first session is, well, the session lasts two hours because it's it's what they call... um, 
movement. So it's when they move in the prison, they get a two hour stint where they're allowed to free, free movement. It's called, they're allowed to move about and do things. So that's when we capture them. Um, so if you think about it, if you're a young person and you have these two, these are the two hours of the day where you get to go to the gym, you can go to watch a movie, you can hang out with your friends but you choose because it is not compulsory. You choose to come to these sessions. That means quite a lot. Mm. And how many people did you sort of roughly, did you have come to the first session? The first session was 13 young boys. Okay. Um, and yeah. What was your, what was sort of the response to that? Was it, uh, I don't know, did they sort of participate? Did they, what did they think? So initially we walked in and they walked in and, you know, they sort of, watch you and try and see if they can understand why you're here they think Mm. everyone is um trident so they think everyone's part of the police especially if you're looking smart they don't trust you Mm. um so you know once we made them realize who we were and i think what really really breaks them is the fact that we're doing this out of our own time because they don't really understand why anyone would want to take the time to hang out with them or teach them anything they're like but why would you want to do this on your own time so because I want to understand I want to I want to help you um and that that just starts to break down barriers I do a bit of an icebreaker so I get them to guess the organ what does the organ do and true or false game and then I talk about a case study which they love each time it's a different case study but the Mm -hmm. first one was about uh, a young person who got shot in the chest and ended up having a thoracotomy and what that meant, you know, um, in the long term, obviously the patient didn't survive, but he didn't die on scene. He didn't die in the hospital. He died three days later. And that, that trying to bring it to reality um, is what they they really enjoy, those stories. Um, and they're really receptive. Initially, they didn't want to get involved. And, there's, you know, there's a few who don't really want to take part and they're embarrassed. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. But some of them will and I think that encourages the other ones and they realize that there's no wrong answer there's no silly question um they can ask anything and we're happy to talk about anything funnily enough we talk about Brexit every time right every time (laughs) I think they're just so flabbergasted with what's happening outside of their prison world that they just want to know you know what's going on okay so okay so you you finish your first session and i mean did you get sort of feedback from the, the people you did it with or the, the 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 organization that you were you were attached to or the people working in the prison how did it how did you know it had been useful or successful or not uh yeah yeah definitely catch me to do feedback forms with the young person a young people okay. to sort of get an idea of what is more receptive and we realized that um the the station that they liked the most was the hemorrhage station. So we made that a little bit longer and we've, you know, changed it as we've gone on. Um, we've also heard from Catch-22 that the young people felt that it was really valuable. They want to do it again. Some of them have gone on to finish their program of recovery and gone out into community and, and joined classes to be able to do healthcare in the future because they didn't realise that they would be allowed to. Okay, wow, that's, that's that's incredible. Yeah. And when did you sort of start doing this then? So how long have you been running it for, this programme? I would say October 2018, so yeah, October this school year, so 2018. Okay. It's still a baby. Uh, 
and how many sort of times have you you and your team gone into to, 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 to Felton? So we've done three sessions of Felton and we've done one session at Pentonville. So not that many yet, but we've got another three sessions in Pentonville coming up now. Felton is obviously, as you've seen in the news, I'm sure they had a bit of an issue with um, some violence. So we're just holding off for that on that for now, but we're going to go back in there soon. Okay. And is it still just sort of the, the, the team of three at the moment or no. have you got anybody else that's got interested? Yes, it's expanded. So interestingly enough, I've got about 150 volunteers who are interested. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's just sort of spread from word of mouth. You know, you tell one registrar, next thing you know, you've got five SHOs messaging you and um, it just has spread. And I've got people coming from the Whittington Hospital and loads right. of different hospitals, not just the Royal London Hospital. And and I think in my mind, what I would like it to be is it to become a program that is used as a way of improving morale for staff as well. Because the feedback I've got from the staff who've taken part is they feel better about what they do in A&E. They feel better about the way, the care that they provide to these young people because they have these honest conversations. You know, although we're teaching them how to save a life. In, that, in those little stations, we have many conversations about scenarios that have occurred to them. You know, I had one young person who asked me, oh, it, well, he, he started telling me about how he did CPR on his brother. And we talked about how he did it. And he ended up going to prison because he helped his brother when he had been stabbed. And by association, he ended up going to prison. And I asked him, would you do it again? Because, you know, you ended up in prison. He said, yeah, of course I would do it again, because this session has taught me that I did the right thing. And although he didn't survive, I know now I did the right thing. And that those little moments are what make you feel better about these sessions. Yeah, oh, that's incredible. And it, 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 clearly going from sort of, you know, the team of three to, to sort of 150 shows that, that people clearly see the value in this from from a, a healthcare perspective. Mm. Uh, and what sort of would be your kind of the, the plan next? You know, it sounds like it's been really successful to start with. Where, where do you envisage this going? I think... It's a tiny little project. Um, right. It would be ideal to be able to go into pupil referral units. So that's basically the first step before going into prison, really, for when it comes to youth violence. Do you know what a pupil referral unit is? Yeah. 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 Um, and so, as you know, young these young people, most of them have been isolated from school and they go into the PRUs and then they end up going into prison. And I think it'd be ideal to be able to teach them how to save a life in these proofs as well and maybe one day be able to do it as a course so that they can actually have a certificate have some sort of evidence of this learning um on top of it i think for healthcare professionals i think it's really important to be able to understand why these young people do what they do and talk to them in a in a different context rather than in a&E when we're all rushing around exhausted overworked um trying to basically package this person up to the on to, and move on to the next being able to speak to them in these different contexts and these different environments will help you understand why we do what we do yeah i mean it's you know it's a truly kind of i guess holistic approach to to to, to these young people as opposed to just the bits that we see and do whilst they're in the ed yeah I would agree. um and is the 
uh, is this going to sort of spread throughout London, do you think? Or has it got wider reach maybe? Or is it sort of early stages at the moment? Uh, I, well, I would love it to spread. <laughs> but it's it's just me. I do everything on my own and I do it all on my own time. So mm. I need to basically find help. I've, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Street Doctors Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they do sim. They do similar things, but they they teach people. They teach. It's underneath. It's like eighteen, eleven to eighteen year olds. Same similar CPR in schools, and so it would be ideal to work with them and work with other organisations who are doing. Because everyone is doing their part, but no one seems to be working together. Mm. Um, so it'd be ideal to be able to work together, and maybe one day the government finance something like this because I think. It's such an achievable project and sustainable because healthcare workers are constantly learning how to save a life. So you, you've got no issue with the, the knowledge base and being able to bring it into prisons, it's, it would just be something that would be great to be funded by the government. Absolutely. I mean, what would you say then to people who'd say, well, hang on, these places, these people are in these places for a reason. It's there for punishment. It's not for for sort of playing doing cpr hmm, that's a difficult question get lost is probably the answer to that yeah isn't it? I, I mean i would say first of all have you been to prison yeah because it's not a fun place no and it, it's definitely not somewhere they are definitely being punished but i think at the same time i don't really i don't really know if punishment is the right way with these young people i think i don't think it's the answer I, I, we can see it. We know statistically someone who has offended is going to reoffend again. And how we're not winning in this battle. We're losing. Young people are dying all every day because of this. Mothers and fathers are losing their children. And it just it feels like it's something that we're not in control of. Um, and you compare it to the Scotland model. I don't know if you looked at Glasgow and their youth violence reduction unit and the improvements that they've made they recognized that prison was not the answer so mm. why not improve the knowledge that these young people have and support them in in making their exit better yeah absolutely and if people sort of listening to this or um think wow okay this is something I'd like to get involved in how would they go about getting involved well they can contact me on email um that's pretty much the best way to contact me. Okay. Um, uh, and if they're interested in this of the Catch Twenty Two uh, group, are they uh, have they got a presence online or social media or? Definitely, they're on Twitter, they're on Facebook, they're online. You can contact them. They're always happy to have a chat and a conversation about youth violence and you know violence reduction because it's something that they really want to improve. So you can contact them directly. Excellent. Listen, and I have so much respect for you. And, you know, doing all of this, as you say, in your own time uh, is incredible. Um, uh, so thank you so much for, for spending some time joining us today just to sort of chat about this incredible project. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Absolute pleasure. So catch 22 or email you if people are interested. And what we'll do is put your email in, in the show notes as necessary. Yes, that would be great. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thank you so much and have a good evening. Bye.